Hello, this is Talking Fruits Podcast with me, Claire Southworth, and I have with me John Paul Wright. Hello again. It's Hi a again. lovely. It's, a, it's actually overcast today. Is it? Yes. Well, if you looked out the window, because I can actually hear the wind and I can hear the seagulls. Yeah, we're down in Claire's house again. She's. It's like an open house, this, isn't it? It's. It, it is. It's an open house, and also it's. Um, it's good weather to be inside recording. It is lovely weather to be inside recording. What are we talk? What are we doing this week? We're doing some more questions. Oh, right. We're starting with a nice, well, I think it's quick and easy, from Daniel Lloyd-James in Texas. Two things. Do you clean your teeth before practice and performing? And what is okay to eat and drink before practicing? Ah. So, well, personally, yes, I clean my teeth before I practice and before I perform. Mm-hmm. Before performance, I make sure there's a little bit of a gap. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of a gap, but I like the feel of having, a, having clean teeth, clean mm-hmm. mouth before I go and play. And generally speaking, before performing, I've always had a nice big meal because I am one of those strange people who need to eat before playing. Uh, if I don't eat, I get a bit nervous. Mm-hmm. So I eat, I eat quite a, quite a you know, big meal. And then I need to clean my teeth. How about you? I also clean my teeth. Okay. And, yeah, I don't generally eat after I clean my teeth. I normally leave it a while. I'll have a coffee because I have a, a, a bizarre addiction to the stuff. I definitely cannot have a coffee before I play flute. Oh, really? No. Ah. Because I think the, the, that has some... That obviously has an effect on my mood. It actually probably brings me down rather than up. <laughs> um, but as for eating... Yeah, I mean, we could go to the logical extreme, say have a beer and a curry before you eat, before you play. But uh, no, I don't, I haven't genuinely eaten because I think it has a more sedative effect on me if I eat. Okay. But I know lots of people will eat and they'll clean their teeth mm. and then they'll play. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have a heavy carbohydrate meal because that would probably send me to sleep. But it's, it's interesting that my, sometimes when I'm most nervous, I do get tired. So I actually close my eyes and have a little snooze anyway. So um, it's, it's all a case of what feels right to each individual person. I remember having a fizzy mineral water before one concert, and that had terrible effects because I was sort of burping my way through. So I, I won't have anything that's um, carbonated. So that's, about, that's, that's probably the only thing, and, and not heavy on the old carbs. Right, obviously it's just me and you here. Yeah. Ever had a drink, alcoholic drink before playing? Uh, yes, I have. Not normally, but I remember there was a concert in... Um, where were we? I think we were in Ohio somewhere. And we were with the wonderful Kathy Miller mm-hmm. from West Music. And she, it was a flute and piano recital. And she said, oh, we've booked this wonderful restaurant to go and eat before your concert. And the concert was at 7.30 and she booked the restaurant for six o'clock. And we're thinking, that's ever so close, very, very close to the concert. <laughs> and when we got there, there was, there was a, quite a few other people there as well, all come to eat. So we ordered our food and she said, oh, they've got some wonderful wine here. So she ordered some wine, which was really mean. So and I said, well, oh, I need to have a little sip of that wine. It was delicious. So I remember Tim, Tim and I had, um, had a glass of wine. Uh, but because we were eating, it didn't have any sort of 
detrimental okay. effect. So it seemed to be okay. At another time, there was a, we a chain music group I was in. We did many hundreds of concerts. And it was three, three boys and me. And two of them always used to have whiskey and ginger ale in the interval. <laughs> Not before the concert, but in the interval. And I hated whiskey, but I remember trying it one day and thinking, oh, that's actually quite nice. So um, got used to drinking that. But again, it, because it was fizzy, it was a little bit, little bit dangerous. So you've never been on stage a little bit piddled? Definitely not. Oh, I have. But that's, we won't go into the, the, the reasons why <laughs> and the outcome, but yes. And it was a, it was a, it was a concert in um, Spain, and the, the concert started at nine, 9 o'clock at night. And we were, during the day, we'd had the rehearsal, and it was nice and sunny, so I did what most flute players shouldn't do, which is go and sort of sunbathe, because your chops end up getting a bit crusty, don't they? Even if you put... Sunburnt. Yeah, yeah, sunburnt. And I panicked a bit, and then we went out for a bit of food. Even though in Spain you eat afterwards, you eat very late, we didn't. We stayed in English time and had a few sherbets. And, yeah, it's a very interesting response and how you feel. And sometimes you lose... And I've only ever had slightly too much on that one occasion. And you tend to lose your, to a degree, your inhibitions. Hmm. And as a musician, that's dangerous because you then think you're fearless and then you start doing things that you never do before and it never pays off. Um, certainly cadenzas. When you, <laughs> you have a, a, an area where you have complete freedom and um, it, it, it didn't pay off. Yeah. And, and I like the fact that you said earlier on when you used to get nervous because someone that has done in music what you have done, being nervous is is key to that performance. It's, you're not, you've never pushed it away, you've always welcomed it in. Yeah, I think it's important to get nervous. I always used to think if I wasn't nervous that maybe I wasn't taking it seriously enough mm. or wasn't being respectful enough. And sometimes it's not, it's more anticipation than nerves. So nerve, let's call it nervous anticipation. Mm -hmm. But nerves are a funny thing. Sometimes you can be incredibly nervous for something that feels not that important mm -hmm. It, it's the wrong word, but not such a big concert, and terribly nervous, which is something that's maybe far more intimate and maybe, you know, where the audience are all with you. Yeah, and I think alcohol will dull that. Yeah. That Mind you, you've just reminded me of something. On, on the, the flute course in Waldingham, we had a, a jazz course going on at the same time as the flute course, uh, a, a saxophone, a classical saxophone and jazz saxophone. And we always had a jazz night, this is uh, Rob Buckland and Andy Scott, and they'd bring in a band with keyboard, drums, bass, and more saxophones, and they would do, you know, a few hours in, in the jazz concert. And it was always the most fantastic evening, and everybody was drinking, and they would drink. So it, was, it would start by, at 9 o'clock at night, like your concert, and um, it was in the bar, you know, and everyone was, you know, it was all very relaxed and comfortable. And when you're, you're jazzing, I mean, I remember the boys used to tell me that they always have a drink because mm. it, it helps relax them and freeze, freeze them up. And this one year, I'd been playing quite a lot of Nesta Torres' music. Mm -hmm. And Nesta very kindly had sent me 
some of his TV tracks, because I messaged him many years ago and say, I mean, I, I love his playing. He's a phenomenal player, musician, composer. And I, and I said to him, I just, I love your music. I really, I need to play your music. And he said, well, you can. I'll send you the TV tracks for, he sent me about six tracks. Absolutely fantastic. But it took me ages, because I had to actually write down what the flute was mm -hmm. doing, which took a long time, because, of course, he plays... In such, he plays according to how he uh, feels, doesn't he? Oh, <laughs> and it's, it's all it's all improv. It's, yeah. it's all improvised and incredibly technical. But anyway, I did. I transcribed a few of the tracks, and I would do this occasionally. And, and on this course, you know, I, I remember the the sax course. Said, "Well, you should play, play through these tracks. Do it, do it at the start of the jazz concert," which was quite intimidating because they were proper jazzers. Mm. I did that, you know, nine o'clock came. I was incredibly nervous. I remember Rob Buckland was sitting behind me because he had to press the play button. And I did my three tracks. And uh, he, said, he said afterwards, he said, um, you were really nervous, weren't you? He said, your fingers were shaking. I said, yes, I was, I was really, really nervous. But, you know, it'd gone really well. And the, the band said, you know, it was great improvisation. I said, I was reading everything, were you? Yeah, because, you know, it, it, the music is something I feel so strongly with that mm. I, could I could play it. So anyway, I was wishing during this concert a happy birthday to my accomplice, Tim Carey. He was late coming back from supper, so he didn't hear me play. Didn't hear me say, this is for you, Tim, happy birthday. So after I did my three pieces, the jazz group got going. I had a few glasses of wine. And then Tim rolls in and he said, I've missed it. He said, you've got to do it again. I said, I can't possibly. I've just had three glasses of red wine. And the boys in the band said, great. That's definitely the time to do it. So I did, <laughs> I did a, a, a couple of the tracks again. And I must say, it felt easier, it flowed more, but it was music you could just let go on. Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? You can let go on. I, well, I didn't have to control it. No, there's, um, and that's a good thing with, with jazz and with yeah. Latin. There's a flexibility within a construct, isn't there? Yeah. Whereas with classical, there isn't. No, so I could never do it with classical music because there's, as you said, there's so much more control. And this was in an environment where there's noise, there's mm. laughter, there's chat. It's a completely different environment. Different vibe. And you hadn't cleaned your teeth, obviously, before you'd, after you've had the, no, the wine, had no. you? No, what a mistake. Oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> reprimanded, reprimanded. Yeah. So, yeah, I always clean my teeth. But I, I like to leave, I'd probably say, ha at least half an hour beforehand. So I, I don't like that, that new... No, no, I don't. So, again, I agree, half an hour, and I will eat an hour and a half, two hours. Sometimes you can't always plan that. You know, concert organisers will bring in a salad and and stuff mm. just before you you play or sandwiches and which is a bit heavy but you know and so it's but i will always eat definitely always eat yeah so we're slightly different on that but yeah. um my word i do eat afterwards <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I eat afterwards as well ah. i have to go and find something to eat yeah yes. i think it's part of again of nerves and the and the energy you use that i'm hungry before and afterwards yeah also you've got the endorphins going haven't you when you yeah. finished yeah 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 it's, you feel so good and there's no way you're going to sleep. No, absolutely. So, should we move on to another question? Oh, we've got more. This okay. is from Justine Greenhar from Exeter. I'm not sure I pronounced 
your name correctly there, Justine. But she's just put vibrato, dot, dot, dot. Flute player's annoyance or something that we should embrace? Oh, my word. Can we do... <laughs> uh, well, oh, blimey. Um, it's both, isn't it? It can be an annoyance. And yet we embrace it because we all do it. And yet when you hear Baroque flute play beautifully, there isn't any... Um, well, there is. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a quiver of there something. There is. They do There's something with their finger, don't the they? Sound. They do something with their but finger. But also with the air. So, yes, with the finger, you have a finger vibrato, but there's an air vibrato. So it's never a straight, flat note. No. And it's why sometimes when people play Baroque music on a modern flute and want, think they're playing a Baroque style, they take all the vibrato out which is horrific, it's horrible, it doesn't work, mm -hmm. because that's not how the Brock flute players play it. So it's, it's interesting, you have to be very careful how you use it. I'm, I'm more often than not immensely annoyed by flute players' vibrato. You're not? I'm almost, more often than not, annoyed. Oh, you're annoyed, yeah. Yes, because often it's, it's a constant wobble, never changing, which then intrudes into the music. So... If we think about what, what is it? Mm. So vibrato, by definition, or it's a musical effect, and it's used in singing and instrumental playing. Mm -hmm. And it's used to add expression to music, created by changing the pitch, which produces a wave or a pulse in the tone. Ah. Yeah. But faster, yeah. So it's a technique that enhances, or should enhance, mm. the emotion of the music. And when it's successful... We're unaware of it. So if you don't notice someone's vibrato, it's used perfectly because it blends mm -hmm. into the sound. Uh, but if you notice a player's vibrato, that's generally because something's wrong with it. Yeah, I've never thought about that. If you notice it and if you don't notice it, I've never yeah. thought that. And that's how I often can, can judge. So if you hear sort of a steady wah, 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 and, and on every single piece, it becomes an annoyance. Or, a <laughs> or, or one of those. Geoffrey Gilbert used to say that music needs more red wine and less Coca-Cola. <laughs> so more depth, less fizz. Mm. Yeah. And the important thing is to learn by listening. We can learn so much by listening to other musicians mm. to see, and it can be classical or pop, Classical singer, pop singer, string player, woodwind player, you know, even a, even a brass player with vibrato. It, it doesn't matter what you listen to, but sometimes you have to listen with a critical ear and ask, does it enhance? Does it irritate? Do you feel emotion through that vibrato? Is it cold or is it cold? So do you warm to it or are you pushed away from it. Mm. So, and you can do that with, you know, you just stick the radio on and listen to singers. You know, and I mean pop singers here. Think about some of the best, you know, pop singers in the world. So let's talk about Adele. Mm -hmm. You know, fabulous singer-songwriter. The most gorgeous way that she communicates the emotion of her music with a fabulous vibrato that does not intrude. And do you know, I, I, was, I was interesting that you said Adele, because as soon as you said it, I actually can't 
think of her vibrato. No. I can't remember it. So as you say, she's, it's unobtrusive. Unobtrusive, and it's, an, it's natural. And I think as flute players, we have to think about how we can use the vibrato more naturally rather than this robotic, reproduced fashion. And it's, it's different parts of the phrase require different types of emotion. So if you're playing something that's excitable or frantic, maybe it's sort of faster and smaller in the shape. And if you're playing something that's calmer and quieter, the brass got to be more in the background, so unobtrusive. Uh, if you're playing Baroque music, you can't just play a straight note. It still needs <laughs> something there, but it's not obvious. It's the subtlest type of vibrato that you can use. If you hear some, if you, I, I often hear on, on people on Facebook, Instagram or YouTube, some quite well-known teachers actually playing Baroque music, talking about vibrato, and it comes out horribly because it's just cold and sort of intrudes in a different way. It's like, it's like a, a sharp, a sharpness to it, a sharp, like cutting through something rather than a sound that blends. And a slight movement in the sound softens the edges, rounds the edges, which means it's much easier on the ear. But vibrato itself is a nightmare of a subject, isn't it? It's interesting she put dot, dot, dot. Yeah, it is. And, and it's, it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a nightmare of a, of a topic to talk about because it's, it's such an important part of what we do. It needs talking about. It needs teaching. And I know a lot of teachers who won't, won't teach it, they say it will come naturally. Now, yes, it needs to be played naturally, but it doesn't always come naturally. You know, you get people with a lot of tension in the throat, so it comes out in a nanny goat effect. Mm -hmm. And other people just can't start it. And the thing is with vibrato is that it's a technique that is controlled by your tummy muscles, but there is a movement within the throat. Mm -hmm. And you need to have guidance in order to learn it. How do singers learn it, do you know? I don't because know a flute exactly. player, we're, we're I've never in heard a singer. lesson. Yeah, I've never heard uh, a, a singer have a lesson on vibrato, but uh, I'm sure they must do, and they must talk about the, the different styles, different genres, mm. and, and how to how to use the vibrato in terms of that. I mean, you can hear some, you know, pretty awful opera singers that have the constant wobble. Mm. You know, there are just as many poor singers as there are flute players when using vibrato. And that's a good learning process. If you go and, if you listen, and you can say, right, I like that, but mm. I don't like that. And then try and incorporate that into your own, into your own play. I'm just thinking, two singers very diametrically opposed. We've got Pavarotti, who's got a very recognisable mm. voice and very recognisable, as you say, flexible vibrato to bring out the emotion. Then you've got Streisand. Yep. Wonderful Barbara Streisand, who can sing without vibrato, sings with it, mm. and hers is much faster. Yep. But she has a recognisable And it's wonderful. Voice. And I've just thought of, is it Denise Roussos? Oh, Demis Roussos, yeah, Demis the Greek, Roussos, the Greek the god, Greeks, yes. Who had a really fast... He did, but it suited the music, didn't it? suited his voice and suited what he sang. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, but when it comes to flute, we tend to turn it on like a tap, and then it doesn't get turned off. And you have to you have to practice it. You have to think about. I like to think of it in terms of 